Warning, the following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do, up yours. That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is Wednesday. You know what that means. It is me, your boy Big Tasty, as always, joined by, well, at this point, the the most electrifying man in all of podcast entertainment, Mr. No Days Off, Jay Luft. How's it going, Jay? I'm, I'm all right, mate. Um, do, do you do do you do improv comedy? Um, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you used to do improv comedy? No, no. Okay. Never mind. You know, you, were you going for a, a joke or something? There, I, mate, I, I, I've, I was, I've, I've been up since seven, uh, mate. I'm, I'm not. I'm not on the. I'm, on the, I'm not on for that today. I was doing a CM Punk bit this earlier, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is this is a special bonus round episode. Um, we had so much wrestling to talk about this week that we couldn't squeeze it all into one show. So we're going to take you through. Oh, let's let's just say the fallout from All Out, which is a quite catchy to say and b very apt considering what actually happened after the show. Yeah, yeah. So, some some people um, were saying on Twitter the show didn't probably start until the. The media scrum up there. <laughs> well, I think obviously CM Punk must have obviously thought eleven matches wasn't quite enough. CM Punk was just fucking angry because people were talking about MGF instead of him. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we'll get into all of that and and all of that in due time. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll run you through the show front to back, talk about all the matches very briefly. We'll sort of have a little sort of all light light conversation. Of them. Fifteen of them. All fifteen of them. We'll have a little light sort of conversation about all of them, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll try and sort of bet you could make a bit of sense of the, the sort of the madness that transpired after the show. Um, obviously, as we record this, Dynamite hasn't happened yet this week. We don't know what's happening there. Things are still all up in the air. There's there's, there's like crazy like rumors and and little snippets of news coming from here there and everywhere around there like totally weird like fantastical stories i'm a recording a time recording fight plus elective just like dropped a massive thing um about like just a, a just pretty like an info dump of everything they know yeah it, as pertains to what happened after the show um it's it's eye-opening to say the least yeah, so we'll, we'll throw all that in, and if anything does break while we're, we're recording here, we'll we'll try and keep on top of that as well, uh, and, and include that. Yeah. So anyway, we'll, we'll start in happier places. We'll start with the um, we'll start with the um, with the pre-show, and I only just watched it um, right now. I, I was away at the weekend, and so I, I sort of watched all of all out last night, which was uh, whew, that was a thing, and then I've literally just watched the pre-show now. Um, Really did quite enjoy it as well. Uh, the pre-show had re- it was. I'm really glad I got to watch them separately because I think doing it all in one go might have been a yeah. bit too much. Um, but yeah, yeah I really I, can, I enjoyed the pre-show. Yeah, yeah, the pre-show was really good. So we start out with um, well, we actually don't start out with a match, but it becomes a match very quickly. We start out with Sammy and Ty are on the carpet talking to RJ City, 
and uh, they want to do deep kissing, but they hear like a, a horn blaring. And so they, this is, I mean, it's kind of weird, isn't it? They hear a horn blaring. So they go like into the car park basically to see what's going on. Yeah. Or into like the backstage area. And Ortiz there and like a quad bike. Yeah, Ortiz and Ruby Soho on a quad bike. Um, and this is really nice. So um, Ortiz has got his face painted like Azure Kong. And uh, Ruby's got her face painted like Paul Nakano. Yeah. Which is awesome, like super cool. So they chase Sammy and Ty down the corridor, and then Sammy like shoves Ty out the way and takes the the, the running over by the quad bike, gets hit by the quad bike. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about Sammy Guevara. I know he's not the most popular man in AW, but his commitment to being hit by cars is commendable. That's the second time he's been hit by a, a vehicle in AW. Yeah, and he's been chased by several and a horse. Yeah, didn't they get trampled by a horse as well? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this this was this was kind of fine, wasn't it? This match, it was it was okay. It was yeah, it was probably the best one out of the three that they had. I thought. Yeah, it did feel a little bit cursed though when like there was that spot where uh, where Sammy like dropped Ruby onto her neck. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I mean, Ruby just didn't have a great time, and all this. Like, there, was Sammy- a bit, there was a bit early on where Ruby was trying to like slide into the corner, and Sammy was meant to like sort of up and over, and he only just cleared her head as well. Yeah, um, and then obviously in the finish, Ty broke Ruby's nose. Yeah, it, it, so two things. Just oh, at the finish, so Ty hits a Taiki and just basically socks Ruby clean in the nose. Uh, Ruby, I mean, even before she hits the ground, she's got a hand over her face to like cover it to sort of like protect herself. She's she's so like yeah. in pain and shock that she forgets to put her, her shoulders down on the mat, and so the ref can't cut the pin. Yeah, the ref has to like tell her, "Oh no, you need to like you need to like get down." Basically, it's it's the finish, and then they don't show a replay of this at all. No, she she like had a face covered immediately, didn't she? Yeah, they don't show they don't show a replay of the like, finish or anything. Like she she spends literally from the moment the move hits till like the end the time the camera cuts off, she's just got a hand over her nose to like sort of cover it and protect it. Yeah, um, and. Like as soon as as soon as he counted the pin, right for Emsberg, just like taking it to the back immediately. Which yeah, which is good to see. Hopefully, uh, Ruby's all right. She's not too uh, not too too sort of banged up over it. Um, and and hopefully ties are right as well because it's 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 a horrible thing when when someone gets hurt. Like it, it affects both people. Obviously, if Ty obviously probably feels terrible about what happened. Uh, as as um as Sarah was saying on on our Discord, I'm really surprised that few. I'm, I'm guessing it was overshadowed by later events, but I'm really surprised how like no one's seemingly gone after Ty over this because you know women wrestlers tend to get a lot of shit when they hurt someone. Yeah, um, I mean I'm glad I'm glad they haven't gone after her for it because they're by all. Intensive verbs just seemed like an accident. Oh yeah, it, it was absolutely an accident. And it was just one of those things. You, you know, you throw enough fake knees at someone's face, eventually you're going to hit one of the nose on you. It's just, it's just yeah. lower physics, uh, especially when you're like trained in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, when you're trained to actually hit people. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, so a, a, a sort of a funnish opener. It was sort of like little light, little breezy. Um, Ortiz was very good in this as well. I really enjoyed him and, and Sam. Him and Sammy have actually got like low key, quite decent chemistry. I think. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, yeah, I was quite quite pleased to see like a bit more from Ortiz as well. Yeah, because he's not really had the opportunity to do too much as he since. 
No, not as like a as like a, a sort of. I don't want to say a singles guy, but like when when they have these like mixed tag matches, it's kind of like two singles matches at the same time for the most part, isn't it? Because you know the men fight the men, the women fight the women, and it's sort of like two singles matches meshed together in a way. Um, so yeah, it was nice to see him in that sort yeah. of environment, which I thought was uh, was really nice. Uh, right, next match, one of my personal highlights of the weekend. This match, oh god, I what? So we had uh, Hook defending against Cool Hand Angelo Parker defending his FTW title. Uh, Hook, well, first of all, this this is you know FTR two uh, 2.0's music is phenomenal. It's absolute banger. Oh, uh, Hook's, oh, Hook's music we know as well is is awesome. So not only is Hook's music performed by Action Bronson, Action Bronson himself was in the crowd for this, which was phenomenal. Yeah, it's great to see him. He I'm looks- not gonna lie, when he first came on, the- I just saw like a glimpse of him. I, like I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't looking at the screen when he came on. I was looking at my phone. I just saw the call of my eyes. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh." No, it's actually Bronson. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just Bray there in like an orange vest, just chilling, like high five hook on his way in. Yeah, that, that that's how Bray debuts. He's like <laughs> the, the new leader of Team Taz. He's he's Hook's new daddy. Uh, no, so this 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 is a really fun match. It was probably it was the I think it was definitely the longest match Hook's had in AEW. Yeah, it's also the most peril he's been in. Yeah, he did. He sold a lot, didn't he? Like early on, like um, and Park was really on the uh, on the offense in the in the first sort of half of the match. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, I, I, as I was watching this match, I, all I was thinking was, "Damn, like Park is like the perfect guy for Hook to wrestle because he's not expected to beat him. Like he's a he's not a jobber, Parker, but he's like sort of like lower tier talent, isn't he? In terms of like his standing in the company." But at the same yeah. time, he's been in the business for uh, so think, long and he's so safe that he's the perfect guy for Hook to work with. Yeah, and he can kind of like spin the yarn about that. He might just get involved and he's he's like going to try and cost Hook the match. Yeah. Well, he did. He, he sort of got involved. He, he grabbed Hook's foot at one point and Hook has stood on his hand, <laughs> which, was, which was pretty funny. Yeah. And then and the big... And then the big the big news after the match, a hook wins. He, hook locks in the red room, and Parker taps out like very quickly. As soon as even before he goes down to the floor, he's still standing when he's like when he starts tapping. Um, after the match, as the ref's going to hand hook his belt back, Matt Menard comes in and just steamrolls hook from behind, takes him out, and they're, they're sort of beating on him. And action, big big boy action, Bronson gets involved. He comes in the ring, he sort of shoves very gently, throws Daddy Magic to the floor because he's got an injury, and then he like sort of kind of suplexes Angelo Parker. I thought he was going to jam him the way he, <laughs> yeah, he had him from behind. They're like, oh, fuck. Because like, I don't know how well you know Action Bronson. Um, I'm a, obviously I'm quite a big fan. Uh, back in the, in his early days, he's a big wrestling fan. Back in his early days when he was like playing small venues, he if fans got up on stage with him, he used to just like suplex them. <laughs> Amazing. Because it was like, because like, he played like, like sweaty, like underground, like New York, like clubs. And like there was no yeah. barrier. So fans just get up on stage and try and get in his face. And he just, it became a thing. And he just tried, he just like fucking suplexed them, like German suplexed them, vertical suplexed them, whatever. Because he's a big guy. He's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like kind of a, that was kind of a, like a part of his character. So uh, it's, he still, he can still throw suplexes, which is good to see. He still knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Look good. Look good. He's, I, I mean, he's lost said, a lot. He's lost a lot of weight in the last like two years, and he's gotten really quite buff. I said that when we were watching it, I wouldn't be surprised if he did potentially a grand slam 
they did 2.0 versus Hook and Action Bronson. They could, yeah, he's a New York boy, so that'd be like a hometown. He's from Queens, so that'd be like, yeah, that'd be like that, a hometown that, thing for him. A hometown thing. Yeah. And, and also, it's just like, a, it'd just be like a cool moment. He, he doesn't have to get super involved. Um, he can literally just be mainly Hook, just beating up 2.0. Yeah. Action Bronson can just launch Matt Menard again. And if I was Tony Khan, I'd book that tomorrow. Fuck, I book it today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh. if, he, if, he's got, if he's got a lot of talent suspended for a grand <laughs> there, there, there might be some openings for, for Arthur Ashe, mightn't there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be a little trios match in there, maybe. Um, throw Taz in there, because have Taz stand there doing nothing. Uh, right, we'll move on then. Um, so, next up we had sort of diet spooky boy, Kip Sabian. I thought this was this was an interesting match. I really liked it. Right, I, I, I meant to check this before I start recording. I'm going to check it now very quickly. Um, just, I'll talk while I'm typing so that you know it's interesting for the people. I'm just checking to see if Kip Sabian has wrestled at all since he got injured. Yeah, he has. He wrestled Robbie X um, in Nottingham. That's, uh, he, he, okay, a- yeah, he's had one match since Arkadaki, <laughs> and he did not look like he'd not wrestle for eighteen months. No, he looked good. Yeah, the thing is, though, I wonder how long Kip's been actually cleared for because I know he had like he had a couple of surgeries on his hand, didn't he? Yeah, his hand was like quite badly injured, wasn't it? Like it was a really bad injury. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, he, he looked great. I thought. It was as a kind of again like the whole Riddler vibes where he was like he was sort of like trying to trick pack with moves and stuff like that. Like when he when he went to do like the bop bang thing where he like he kind of put his his hand out and Pack just looked at it confused and they just headbutted him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well there was a bit on the on the outside where he went to do a flip and Pack like sort of braced and he just sort of got back in the ring. Yeah, and just laughed at Pack and then that was stupid. <laughs> so Sarah was saying to me, she she thought the match was a little bit weird. She said um, Pack felt a bit off, like he wasn't quite on his game. I think that was the, the way what they were kind of sort of uh, showing the uh, in the way that was meant. Sabian had kind of got into Pack's head was the, the sort of narrative they were pushing here, wasn't it? I was about to say I felt like Kip was playing a lot of mind games. I wouldn't be surprised if like he's kind of been sat under the learning tree of like Dustin Rhodes because the way he was kind of the way he was kind of doing the mind games was almost like Goldust in a, in a way. Mm. Like it was sort of acting just really bizarre. Obviously, he was talking to the box. Oh, when he started shouting at the box, like, oh, fuck me, he's gone full broken biscuits here. This is, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and then even after the uh, match, even after the match, you just after like everything played out afterwards, which we'll talk about in a sec, he was just screaming at the box, like, like blaming it for his loss, basically. Well, there was the finish, wasn't there, where like Cat Pack like knocked him down and he started laughing, yeah, and then stamping on his head and Kip's just laughing until he's not moved anymore, <laughs> yeah, until he was just. Fully out, basically. He was. I think he was unconscious before Pack went up to the top. Before the Black Arrow, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um. And yeah, then uh, Pack retains. I'd I'd quite like to see. I'm I'm intrigued, really intrigued as to what they're doing with Kip here because I feel like they're not going to put him against Pack if they haven't got something kind of like some kind of like push it in store for him. It's weird in a way, especially isn't it? given like, how kind of like. I can say it's weird in a way because, like, it weirdly, in the eighteen months that he's been gone, the AW roster's gotten a lot stronger and a lot more packed in a lot of respects. 
but it feels like the sort of the niche that Kip fits into is actually weirdly a bit more open now. I can see a place for him more now than I could 18 months ago, if that makes sense, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like I feel like him reinventing his characters definitely helped him, especially with the whole like sitting at ringside and just like waiting for his opportunity. And obviously, he had like the um, hourglass on the side and it was going down, down, down until it was at the bottom. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like I, as I say, I think he was very. He, he's created a, a hell of a lot of intrigue from like spotting him and like he, even when we were like watching that weekend he was he was like getting like standing up by Sammy Guevara it was like you're gonna attack Sammy yeah it was like what's like, who's it, it, we were thinking when we for the last couple of months like who's his target like what's what's the end game here like what's he look what's he waiting for yeah um I I think he's an insanely talented wrestler I think he's got a really unique and interesting character now and I've I hope they, I I hope they do more like they do more with him coming off the back of this. I yeah. feel like he had a really good performance as well against Pac. It was a really good match, and he like you said, it, it, it did not look like a man who'd been out for this long. Um, and this is I can I can comfortably say this is the most interested I've ever been in Kip Sabian. Yeah, I I was lucky enough that I'd seen him for the the first time I saw him wrestle was just before he got signed by AW. Oh, right. Uh, at like an indie show. And I was like, "Oh shit, this guy's like really fucking good." Couldn't tell, I couldn't tell you who he wrestled against, mm. but I just saw him. And was like, "This guy's really good." And funny enough, Cody Rhodes was on the show. Oh right, okay. I, maybe that was where he kind of saw him. Okay, this guy's got something. But I, I've always like had, had a bit of a soft spot for him because of that. And then seeing this like new kind of like repackage of him, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fully invested in him now." Yeah. Oh fair. Uh, I was just after the match. Um, Pack wins, and he's um, he's, he's getting interviewed by Tony at the top of the ramp. Um, before he can really say anything, Orange Cassidy's music hits. He comes out. Obviously, Pack and Cassidy have got history together. Um, Orange, it's sort of without saying anything in an Orange Cassidy sort of way, sort of implies that he wants. It's implied that he wants a shot at the title. And Pack just basically looks at him and is like, "Nah, mate, you're not. You're not good enough." <laughs> and just fucks off. I love the way he went back on the line. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and then uh, all in the meantime, Kip's screaming at the box. In the Kip ring. Just, Kip's got the box in the ring in his hands, and he's just screaming at it because yeah, and that's he's gone like full psycho. I, I'm really, really, I'm really intrigued to see how this all fits together and where it's all going to go. I really like his entrance as well. Actually, we didn't actually. Yeah, about. he came out with like, well, two guys, one guy with a box on the head came out of each tunnel, and then Kip came out behind them and just like walked to the ring, and it was yeah, it was uh, super yeah. cool. It was, uh, and his music slapped as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, speaking of slapping, speaking of slaps, Jesus Christ! So the main, walk down the, road. the main event of the um, of, of the of the, the pre show, yeah, it was King's Road special. It was um, Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. Eddie got a monster pop as always, which still warms the cockles of my heart. He started his yeah. little pre match promo, um, quoting Dylan Thomas, which is not something I thought I needed, but now I I'm desperate for Eddie. Eddie Kingston reads poetry. I guess, how much do I have to pay Eddie Kingston to read the entirety of that poem to me? Because I will pay it. Can I get him on Cameo? Is he on Cameo? Uh, I'll I'll have a look while you're talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is a rem- and they did a really good job, didn't they, of showing um, the sort of the match they had in New Japan Strong. Uh, Ishii won that one. This is Kingston saying, like, I am not the same person. I've learned. Let me. You, he's, he's like, it was like, you bring your lessons, and I'll bring mine. 
and we'll uh, we'll yeah. see what we'll see what you, and it was it was billed as like a, a bit of a grudge match, but also like a match about respect as well, which was which was quite nice. Yeah, they, um, showed, they showed a lot of because um, since then, um, Kingston's had some pretty big matches. He's wrestled Jericho. He had that other big. Uh, who did he wrestle? Punk. No, I mean in, in uh, New Japan or in like in House. Who did he wrestle? Oh, House of Glory. He was. Um... Oh, House of Glory, oh, Marafuji. Marafuji, that was the one. Yeah, that was a big deal for him, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, he actually mentioned House of Glory by name as well, which was pretty cool. I didn't even get it, though. Yeah, shout out to uh, Amazing Red. Yeah, man. Um, you wrestled Jack- Malachi Black. Jack- Jack- we'll ever see him pop up in AW for a quick one. I'd love that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, now we got since we got the guns. That's literally all I need now is Amazing Red to complete like the set of like guys I loved in Impact popping up on AEW. Just just one amazing red versus either Ray Phoenix or Dante Martin match. Yeah, I'll just Dan- him and Dante. Yeah, please, that would be that would be amazing. Oh, um, but this match, I mean, this match literally started with about six minutes of them just chopping the piss out of each other. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, by the end of it, uh, Ibushi had uh, so Ishii had like a massive, like red, like sort of tear right under his bicep. Yeah, his, his shoulder looked like Cody's. Oh, it was it was awful. Uh, Kingston's chest was bright red. At the start, Kingston pulled his like his vest down so that like Ishii could chop him his bare chest. Um, it was just stiff as fuck, wasn't it? There was just like you like you said to me before. It's like they looked at um, Sheamus versus Gunther. I'm like, right, okay, we, we can go with this. This is fine. Yeah, um, yeah, I was. I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I, I loved where they were kind of just like no selling drop, drop drivers and just yeah, beating the shit. Like, he, even like so, Eddie gave so much to issue in this match, which was cool. Where like, because like no one's kicked out of the backfist of the NAW, or is it just Jericho? Was I think it was Jericho, but there was fuckery. What well, no one's kicked out of it without fuckery. Yeah. And, Ishii did. <laughs> yeah, on like a clean then, on like a clean two as well. It was like it was decisive. Yeah. And then no sold another. And then got murdered by the third. Yeah. And then it and was then, like a, a sort of And then Ed, Eddie tried to like shake hands with him and like got them playing his music. Ishii was just like, nah. And Eddie's kind of they, they were teasing the third one, weren't they? Yes, it's it's gonna continue. So at the end, Eddie's trying to show respect to each other. He's like, No, I want I want the fans to, to show him some respect. And he's trying to get out the ring to like sort of put his arm around them and like say thank you. And he's just not having it. He's like, No, fuck off. And and then Eddie, towards the end, Eddie was like a bit like put out. He was a bit like, All right, okay, I've tried here. And like, you know, you don't want it, so now I'm gonna have to batter you again. Maybe in Japan. Like they've done one in New Japan Strong in like America, they've done one in AEW in America. I'd, I'd like them. I'd like them to do one at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, run it back at Wrestle Kingdom. Do give us the give uh, us the third part nice. of the trilogy. Yeah, so that was a that was that, that capped off the pre-show in in sort of spectacular, and it felt like a big match as well to, to end the pre-show, which was really cool. Yeah, um, so yeah, much really, it's, really it's so much day. better than just having people talk about matches. I mean, I'm not I'm trying to diss on anyone here, but it's so much better than just having people talk about matches for like an hour, isn't it? Yeah, I they, that that's one thing that I really like about the like because he sometimes do this, don't they, with the AW pre shows, but not all the time. It was a double or nothing where they didn't. They had one match on it, or and, and like the talking. Yeah, one or two. But, yeah, um, but like when they, when they just go fuck it, here's just 
straight matches. It's it's perfect. It's just more of what you're yeah. here for. You're here for the wrestling anyway, so let's just have more of it. You know, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I like I like the fact they basically just went this. These are matches that we would get, we would put on the pay per view, but we want to give the first hour free to kind of like entice people in. Yeah, and so I watched it today, and it's a few days out from the pay per view, and it's got over three hundred and fifty, like three hundred seventy odd thousand views. Yeah, which is probably more people than watch the pay per view. So, yeah, it's not a bad cool. audience. It's pretty good, pretty good place to be on. Now, right, and speaking of the pay per view, we'll move on to the card proper. We started out with the AEW Casino Ladder Match. Uh, obviously, winner gets a future AEW world title shot. Started out with Wheeler Uther and Ray Phoenix, which is, yeah, not a bad place to start, is it? I enjoy these two wrestling so much. It, I mean, they, they, just, they, they just have no chill. It was just like, they just started off at a thousand miles an hour and the match is sort of built from there, really. Uh, so, yeah. Roosh came out third, then Andrade. So, they had that sort of two-on-one-on-one two on one on one advantage that they were working together. There was a, a really funny po- moment, wasn't there, when like, as Andrade was coming down the ramp for his entrance, Roosh was setting up a ladder like under the poker chip, and Andrade got in the ring, and he was like, oh, is that for me? And Roosh was like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, totally, mate. yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah they, they were kind of teasing that Roosh was going to turn on Andrade, but not too much. Yeah, which was which was fine. Um, so then Claudio came in and he provided a bit of sort of face back up, which was nice. Uh, Dante was next. Dante just came in at like a thousand. He came in full speed, didn't he? Like within like three seconds, he'd springboard onto a ladder. I I really need Claudio versus Phoenix and Claudio versus Dante. Yeah, just throw him throwing little boys around everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, one of my favourite moments of the match was when Penta came in and he, he did his entrance and then like immediately just deleted Dante with a Canadian Destroyer on the ramp. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he, just, um, he did one on Andrade on the ladder as well. On a ladder as well, yeah. Also, earlier in the match, Andrade hit um, a sunset bomb over the ladder onto another ladder on um, Wheelie Uther, which looked like it murdered him. Yeah. Well, it was really upsetting. Um, so then, before we knew it, it was time for the Joker. Just before the Joker arrived, um, a load of men wearing black, all black, like balaclavas. It's not Mohammed Hassan. Don't you worry. Don't worry about it. It's not Retribution. It's not Mohammed Hassan. It was Big Stoke. Yeah, boy. So Stokely Hathaway rocks up, and basically, him and all his boys, so um, W. Morrissey, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty and the Ass Boys, um, basically clear house. Uh, Stokely actually, the only thing I'm not big about is that Stokely went up and got the chip. Like if if the the Joker had come out and got the chip up the ladder, I think that would have been made a bit more sense because like he kind of interfered in the in the match. I know it's there's technically no rules, but it had a it had a little bit of the James Ellsworth hand in the briefcase to Carmella sort of feel about it. Yeah, to a degree though, uh, given on who the who the Joker was. Oh yeah, I can understand why they didn't want to do anything. Well, someone else did it all for them. Yeah, like it, it's it's very much in his nature to kind of like get someone else to do his dirty work, and then he just like. Well, we won't talk about the who the Joker was yet because it wasn't revealed. I mean, it was it, it was kind of a little obvious if you know you you're wrestling. Uh, first of all, Tony got his checkbook out because "Sympathy for the Devil" by the Rolling Stones played as the Joker came out. Just one sympathy for the devil. <laughs> it probably cost him like just one billion dollars. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was it was kind of weird. Um, obviously, this is the first time AEW have really done a, a sort of a big like sort of get out finish like this um, in a it match was, like this. Yeah, it was a bit divisive. I personally thought it was awesome because I thought it was just like it was different because. My my thing was, I know I know I said this to you last week, um, when we were doing the news, was if MJF's the Joker, they've got to do something that is huge because they can't just have him come out and be the Joker and win the match. No, there has to be a moment. There's not has that, to be like there has to be a there's build. Got, there's got to be some some kind of like thing that makes it memorable of this. It's the perfect way to do it, I thought, because well, we'll come we'll, out with the we'll mask talk. on. Yeah, we'll talk about the ending at the end, but yeah, it built. It, they sort of sacrificed a bit of this match to to create that very good moment at the end, didn't they? Yeah, maybe it would have been better if they had done this in the Casino Battle Royal. Yeah, but I, I mean, I I, I thought I thought it worked. Uh, like you say, I, I think like you say they couldn't have just had MGF because his music hit and he walks out because that would have been like a real anticlimax. Yeah, like if MJF literally goes in in his gear and just just goes at the ladder and wins, it's like, well, what's the fucking point in that? Yeah, exactly. But it was, but yeah, you could you could tell like just the the walk on him. You, you straight away, I knew straight away who it was. Just like and I guess his mannerisms when he like sort of motioned up to take his mask off and then was like, no, 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 right, working his finger. It was like, all right, okay, this is obviously MJF. Yeah, one thing that was cool was um. A lot of people are going like being like Twitter detectives. Um, there was a couple of there was a promo where MJF said um, something about oh you don't have, I'm the devil and you don't have sympathy for the devil or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was one where he was literally like working out, and um, he had uh, he had like his headphones on. He's like been listening to Sympathy for the Devil a lot recently. Um, that a lot of plot and seeds. We, we like just kind of go back with MJF. It's like with the pinnacle where you saw him in the crowd, sat, sat in the crowd with Sean Spears gambling on matches. Didn't really think anything of it, mm. but then it turned out that it was an actual bigger thing. And oh yeah, actually, the reason the, the reason he's doing this is because of this. Well, it was during his feud with Punk as well. He sort of, and this came around later as well in the, in the night. He echoed Punk's Ring of Honor promo when he was saying about like the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of references, a lot of throwbacks, and it still also had ties. It, it also sort of orbits around Punk as well, which is which is super cool. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, right, next match up then. Uh, we had the trios tournament finals for the Dark Order and Hangman Adam Page versus the Elite. That is the Young Bucks, and by what what appears to be a fully functioning, fully re, like fully leveled up Kenny Omega. Yeah. He was he was swinging for the fences in this one. He, he was he was shirt off. He was like he looked a million bucks. He full tan everything. He looked he looked incredible. He never left. Yeah, um, he looked like Wrestle Kingdom Kenny. Um, I loved the way on commentary as well. Excalibur was like going to Don Callis was this a ploy to like get get in your opponent's heads to make them think Kenny's not a hundred percent. Yeah, I like. Dom was just refusing to answer. <laughs> so, a couple, couple of we'll, we won't talk. Obviously, this this match was incredible. It was potentially it was, oh, it was I'd, fantastic. I'd say it was top three matches of the night, um, if not top two. 
top two, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I personally have a, a match I put slightly higher than this. I think we have the I same one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a lot of there was a lot of storytelling in this as well. So early on, um, there was a lot of respect between Hangman and the Bucks. They were sort of shaking hands. Well, him and Nick shook hands, and they had a little exchange. It was very sort of very friendly, very sportsmanlike. Then um, Matt Jackson came in and he spat in Alex Reynolds' face. So there was like sort of no love lost there. They were a bit more brittle, a bit more sort of bit more sort of prickly. Uh, and then there was a bit where uh, Silver Reynolds was stamping on Matt's lower back. So he had the tape on his back. He had a back injury, and Hangman literally came into the ring and like th- threw them off him and was like, "No, no, we're not doing it like that." Like he didn't want his friend to get hurt, and it was like it was very interesting, like the way they sort of set up. And Hangman did a really good job. He does this so well with his facial expressions and his mannerisms in the ring. He sells this like this turmoil and this storyline incredibly. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really really good at that. Um, and uh, yeah, there was a bit as well where like Silver was working over over Kenny's arms, and Hangman was like, "What are you doing? He's just come back from like a shoulder injury." Yeah. Um, and um, then there was there was like a fake there was like so yeah, all, this was all sort of circling like very much like the last match with um, United Empire circling around sort of Kenny and Osprey this was very much sort of circling around Kenny and Hangman and when they were going to find themselves in the ring together and they did like just like um, in the last match they did they did like the fake come together didn't they where they both tagged in they both got in the ring like the it was the crowd noise just soared as soon as they were got in the ring. It was it was almost like the start of Daniels and Omega when they were literally just soaking in the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome kind of like build to towards when they finally did uh, get in together. Where like um, when like they were kind of like weren't pulling the punches anymore. Where uh, I think it was Nick and Alex Reynolds both down in the ring. Yeah, and uh, Hangman. And- Hamman Kenny go in and Rick Knox Rick Knox like needs to tag so they just pull pull the guys to the corner and tag in and then I loved that that was so good just go full throttle um, yeah that was it they just exploded on each other it was and and it was it was like really well done like they, they 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 the way they wrestled it was like they knew each other so well they were countering everything each other had it was like they they'd gone right back to the full game match which was which was really cool to see yeah. Um, and then leading into the finish as well, they they really they, there was a really cool bit where obviously like the dark order won by roll ups in like the two matches they went through with, so like in at the very end where Silver like rolled Kenny up twice, Kenny like kicked out like two point nine. I was like, oh. Uh, I mean, so obviously you, the one thing in your head, in your, in, uh, as as a fan, you, you sort of see that and you think, oh shit, that what what if they do it? What if the dark order do it here? But the only thing that the only the only thing that sort of Made it less believable for me. It was Kenny, and I was like, "They're not going to let Kenny eat the pin in this match." Like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then the way I looked at it was that uh, he kind of like did it really, um, really unsuspectingly on like Malachi Black. And was it orange they pinned in there? Was it Chuck? It was Chuck. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was like you say they came out of nowhere. Like even like it was like surprised that like the camera didn't even catch them. So you literally just saw Kenny like fall backwards as like Silver rolled him, and like that was the first time thing you saw it. It was it was really well done. Um, also, they hit the pendulum bomb on uh, Math and Nick had to make a last second save. So there were, there were plenty of close finishes for the Dark Order. There were, there were like three or four moments where you thought, "Oh shit, what if they just have it here? What if they just do it? What if they put the belts on them?" 
Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad if the Dark Order had won it. No, no. I mean, it, everyone was, uh, everyone was, everyone looked amazing coming out of this match. Like, everyone did really well. Like, it elevated all of them. Um, however, mm-hmm. we have to talk very briefly about the finish. The finish broke my heart. Oh, it was so sad. <laughs> so, as, as the finish happens, um, John Silver's got um, Kenny from behind and he's holding him for Hangman to give him a book shot. As Hangman comes over the top, Kenny ducks out the way. Hangman just kills Silver with the book shot by mistake. And then... And then um, Kenny throws him out the ring. What's that? Kenny throws him out the ring, doesn't he? Yeah, Kenny just chucks him out the ring and pin- he doesn't even do a move. He just pins Silver off the book shot. Yeah. And that's it. One, two, three. Sad, um, sad cowboy noises. Sad cowboy noises. Sad, sad spooky noises. Yeah. Um, sad pervert noises. Yeah, I think Hangman's going to uh, fall off the wagon now. Well, interestingly, there was a, there was, we, we just, BT just came out like a, a few hours ago and we watched it before we did this just in case there was anything breaking on there. Uh, there was a bit in BT where the books went to apologize to Dark Order for like spitting at them basically and all the nasty stuff. And neither of them knew where Hangman was. He just wasn't in anyone's locker room. Yeah. So. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see where. Obviously, Hangman's got a. He's just perpetually just blessed by just despair, isn't he? Like, yeah. Uh, but really, really fun. Um, really good match. Like incredible action. Like super, super fun action. Um, probably. Um, obviously, people are saying did 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 Kenny and the Bucks need to be the first trios champions? Uh, I turn it around and say I think really the trios champions needed Kenny and the Bucks to be the first champions to to sort of. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of like with the tag titles, it was a weird choice to not put, make the books the first champs, and obviously they didn't want to just give the books the tag titles and go, oh, this is our company, but in hindsight, <sighs> they probably needed like that bigger team to have been the first champions. Just, just uh, elevate the belt, just to give the belt to that, yeah. that original level of prestige, just to set them on that sort of pedestal. Yeah, that's why it's that's why it's good to give Pack the um, All Atlantic first. Yeah. Uh, right then. Next up, then we'll have Jade Cargill versus Athena for the TBS title. Uh, this was the only match on the card I thought that didn't quite come together. That was pretty good. I just thought it felt a bit like they were sort of a little bit behind the t- on the timing. It was it did, it didn't quite mesh together smoothly. I don't know. I was a little disappointed because Jade and Athena had that like really awesome like little bit together in that in that tag match a few weeks ago, and I, I was really expecting a continuation of that for this match, and I don't think it quite got to that level. Yeah, well, at the start, uh, Athena like immediately hit a meteor and an old face injury. Yeah, um, I was like, okay, shit, she's a. Uh... She, she's gonna do it. Also, just a shout out to uh, Athena and Jade's gear. Jade was oh, dressed yeah. as She Hulk, and Athena was dressed as Conju from Moon Knight. Shout out to none of the commentators who knew what She Hulk was as well, because none of them referenced it. <laughs> yeah, Taz going. She's green like money. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. I I thought I thought this started off well. I feel like when. When the baddies got involved, they kind of well, they missed a cue for the, the, the pin, a little they bit. Missed, they missed a cue for the pin breakup, didn't they? Like, and Jade had to kick out. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, maybe because I don't think because it, it didn't go very long. This it was like four minutes or so. I don't. Maybe they just didn't have enough time and they couldn't quite get into the rhythm and like you know it was a bit of an awkward like truncated match. Yeah, according to um, according to Fightful Select, this match and um, and Starks and Hobbs had a lot more t- had more time allocated to it, but they went they shortened down for some reason. Oh right, okay. So maybe maybe uh, this is like the first kind of chapter of Athena versus Jade, and they're going to revisit. Yeah, well, because well, let's talk about let's talk about the results because like we were both convinced, really, weren't we, that Athena was going to win here. Yeah, I've, 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 well, going into it, I kind of thought I kind of convinced myself that Jade was going to win it, like on the on the day. Um, and the only reason why is because they're putting such an emphasis on the number of people mm. that Jade. I think they're going to get it to fifty and then have a lose, or have like a forty-nine and then the fiftieth person who beats her. All right, maybe maybe it's a returning yeah. for Statlander if it goes that long. Well, given given how often Jade defends, it's probably it's probably going to be like around full year, isn't it? Well, they said it took. So Athena said in the promo, it took her two years to get to thirty-seven. Mm. You could always slow that down. Then, it's it's fine. But then she was, I'm sure she was like either fifteen or sixteen, and now when she won the TBS Championship. Oh right, okay. Man, that's a that, so it's, like, that's, that's a hell of a lot of title defense, isn't it? That's, that's a that's a no matter what you say about the quality of the opponents, that's a really impressive title reign. Yeah, I think I think the I think they do include like when she's had trios matches and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Fair. Oh yeah. Fair. Um. Right then, we'll move on to something I consider almost a personal treat for me. This um, and it, it warmed the cockles of my heart just hearing the Motor City Machine Guns theme and seeing the video. Playing it all in AEW was just a moment that yeah. that I'll never forget. I was so it was so, for someone who who watched Impact from like 2009 to like 2014, saw all the great machine gun matches and sort of stuck around until it went bad. This just to see them because like this is potentially. I mean, I know Alex Shelley's done quite a lot in the but done quite a lot in Japan. But this is probably the biggest American audience they've wrestled in front of. Yeah, and as, as the most, um, yeah. Yeah, as much as you and it was great to see them on a in a on a big show, get on in front of a big crowd in a packed arena. Yeah, because they're so good. They are, and I know they're not the same team they were ten years ago in terms of you know, the time catches up with us all. But hell, they still they still have they they still went and they could still go in this match. Oh yeah, they, they, they were awesome. Um, I'm I'm desperate for a singles match between FTR and the Guns now. Yeah. We, we we got we got that in patches in this match, which was great. So just just in case, just to clarify, this is Jay Lethal and the Machine Guns versus uh, Wardlow and FTR. And this there was a lot to really like in this match. Um, FTR came out with um, with Dax's daughter, which was awesome. Yeah, she, a little friendly. Yeah, she got a big hug off Wardlow, which is nice. Wardlow's just a sweetheart, isn't he? He's a murder sweetheart. He's a, he's a sweet murderer. Like someone else who came out after the match. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, this is super super fun. Um, Lethal did a job, to be fair. And I know we're not his biggest fan, but everyone else in this match was great. And yeah, Lethal got powerbomb like six times at the end as well, which was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, my my only criticism with this match was that it, 
felt like it went a little bit too long. Yeah, so it went, it went over just over a shade over 16 minutes, which, yeah, maybe, you know, given that Wardlow was meant to be this like, sort of explosive murderer, you could probably have had him come in and, like, kill someone on, like, t- the 10 minute mark, couldn't you? Yeah, but also, like, I'm, as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for, like, that the guns versus FTR. Don't necessarily want Wardlow and Lethal around that. that yeah. I, I would rather. If it was sixteen minutes, it had a bit. It had been like guns and FDR, and I just have an absolute fucking banger, which maybe maybe they'll do for um, the next Ring of Honor pay per view. Yes, oh please do that for the um, uh, for the tag titles. They're the perfect team not to challenge FDR at the next Ring of Honor show, aren't they? Yeah, well, they, they kind of teased uh, Blackpool Combat Club, didn't they? Yeah, but we can always do that later. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was a it was a fun, it was a fun match. Um, I, I like I like the fact um, that like after lethal, in the finish after lethal like goes for like the double lethal injection on uh, FTR after they uh, after they uh, cash and Dax, like killed Shelly with a big rig. Yeah, that, that Wardlow just murdered lethal. <laughs> uh, see, after the match, um, Satnam and Sanjay get in and they start beating them down. Joe's music comes out and he runs down to sort of help out. They sort of take over control and then in the moment of the night uh, Dax's daughter Finley gets to break Sanjay's pencil. Yeah, Samojo busts himself open there, hitting <laughs> hitting Satnam with his own belt. <laughs> You'd love to see it. And then like and then you see Finley looking really scared of Samojo because he's blue. No, like he's got a bit caught on his fucking head. This giant bloody Samoan like, man is like trying to be nice to you, and yeah, he, he, he just looks super, super scary. That that new Samoan Joe shirt, that was fucking funny. Yeah, big, big fan of that new Samoan Joe shirt. That was real nice. Uh, next up, then. Yeah, we could see Joe. We have because we haven't seen him on pay per view for a while, have we? Because he, or even in, really in AEW, he's been in Ring of Honor. He had that little Ring of Honor match, but like, yeah. Um, nice ne- filming, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, next up, it's uh, it's sad Ricky time. Don't worry about it. So powerhouse helps with Ricky Starks again. I mean, we have to talk uh, as I described it in the uh, on Discord. Uh, Ricky Starks' weapons grade drip because that that level of that level of fashion is just obscene. I mean, l- look at it this way: powerhouse Hobbs was just doing as a service because otherwise. With the need to build a new nose arc because of all that drip, it was, so it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah R- Ricky's well, both guys' entrances were fucking awesome. Yeah, this, um, this, this, considering like this, this wasn't really a big match, featured match on the card. It felt pretty big just by how these guys presented themselves. Yeah, um, went really short, um, but I don't think it needed to go long either because no. it kind of. It kind of um, so I, I I watched this with Ryan who doesn't really watch AEW so I had to explain a few bits because he was like, wait is that his finisher when he just like when Hobbs just ended Ricky with the spine buster went yeah but did, did you see how fucking devastating it was he went, yeah but I I think that it was it was beneficial in like the long story that they're kind of going for here in the sense that Hobbs literally just hit that spine buster out of nowhere and it was game over yeah and also- Ricky was like up for a lot of the match. So the way the way they sort of had it was how Ricky was like looking to try and put Starks away, but he was he was trying to do the Rochambeau a couple of times, but obviously he just can't get Starks up because he's too big. So then eventually he gives up on the Rochambeau, he goes for the spear, 
And when he's trying to spear Hobbs, that's when Hobbs uses momentum against him to give him the spine buster to pick up the win. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, it was, this was fine. It wasn't, it was what it needed to be, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think yeah. the, longer, the longer story is this is elevating Hobbs. Um, and it's, it's like Ricky's going to then come back and have, have to come back like stronger, basically. And, to beat Hobbs. Yeah, I, th- I think the way, the way, the way you have, yeah, like you said, the way you have to do this, you have to build Hobbs up to be the monster and then have Ricky eventually get on top of him and, and beat him. You can't have Ricky win here because then Hobbs never becomes the monster. You have to have Hobbs become like God, basically, and then have Ricky kill him. I I, I think Hobbs is going to throw him water. I would, I mean, the way, I mean, who the fuck knows what's happening now? I'd say if, if you want someone to be Punk's first title defense, I think you could do a lot worse than Hobbs. I think MJF's Punk's first title defense. <laughs> first and last. Just one. I don't know. It, it's, it would make sense for them to have MJF win it in New York, wouldn't it, where he's actually going to get a pop? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 did, I did think that Hobbs and Punk at Grand Slam kind of writes itself because they wrestled each other at Grand Slam last year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, right then, next up, we had the... Well, what was my match of the night? Uh, probably yours as well, I'd imagine. It was mine. Yeah. It was mine. This was so, fucking tremendous. So this was Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee defending against the acclaimed tag titles. Uh, a couple of notes on Max Caster's rap on the way out. Yeah, he compares Keith Lee to Lizzo, which is oof, a little uh, a little unfair on everyone, I think. Um and basically says he's going to leave them on the floor like the documents at Trump's place. Yeah. It is, I was popping a lot for his rap. I, that's one thing. I can't fucking wait for his rap this week on Dynamite. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. He might get future endeavoured for it. There was, he, so I, I saw someone post on Reddit before and they were like saying, who can you send out to like, you know, calm the crowd down at the start of Dynamite? And like, fuck it, just then cast out like 20 minutes on the mic. Just send Caster out to freestyle and hope he doesn't say and that upsets somebody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this match was phenomenal. Um, first of all, uh, the, the biggest oh, shock oh. for me, it went 22 minutes. Yeah. Did anyone think they wanted a 22-minute acclaim match? Because now you all do, don't you? Uh, the storytelling in this match, considering that they literally had like an episode of Rampage to build it. Mm. Phenomenal as well. Obviously, they've shown they've shown um, Swerve's promo, with, like where he was saying about like Bowen's getting injured and letting his partner down, and that really played a big part of the match. Yeah, it's just like that pin um, put the crowd where yeah, the crowd were white hot for the acclaim. Oh my god, um, it's like they were so over. Like if Keith Lee's getting booed. That you're over, yeah. Um, the crowd, but the crowd chanting in this match, like the crowd's like chants and sort of callouts, like Daddy Ass getting a, a chant, and like it was, it was, it really elevated, helped make the match like took it up another gear as, as well. I thought, yeah. Um, I think one thing I will say that really added to the match was the fact that Keith Lee and Swerve had the kind of like foresight to go, all right, well. 
we're not getting cheered here. Let's just be heels. Yeah. Um, and like Keith Lee being a mean heel or something I didn't know I needed. Oh man, um, so it was it was so it came out of nowhere as well. So like so like you said, it, early in the match, Bowens goes for a move off the second rope and his knee kind of buckles and he slips and he misses <laughs> and swerve like the, the sort of opportunistic bastard that he is just goes straight in there and starts wailing on Bowens' knee. Which you expect because you know rip- Yeah, which you, you expect because like Swerve going full bastard is what Swerve's final form basically. Yeah. Uh, then, but then he tags he tags in Keith Lee, and they go through a double team move, and they have um they have Bowens up for a power bomb, and Keith Lee is actually like, no, no, don't let's not do this, and so it's like, what? And he's like, let's just hammer his knee instead, and swear because like uh, Keith Lee just wails on his knee as well, and it's like, oh shit, wait, you're meant to be the nice one, what are you doing? Yeah, um, that there, there was so many near falls as well, where I thought this is it, like the, I. So I've got a question for you before we talk a bit more about this. Do you think they should have called an audible and had the acclaim win the match? No. Because I no. think I think you run it back within the next two months and then the acclaim win. Tony said that Tony said they're doing a, a rematch at Grand Slam already. Then that's when you do it. Yeah, because Cast is from New York, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, like so because it, it, this match was just fucking awesome. Well, it, yeah, I, 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 the, the moment when, um, so the moment you're saying when um, when Max hit the Death Valley Driver on Keith Lee, and then hit the mic drop on Swerve. Yeah, that was that was everyone like that was it, and then Keith Lee just like out of nowhere, just like like a like an angry bird, just like swats the pin away, <laughs> and like yeah. Oh, but it, it, wasn't it was there a roll up attempt as well. Yes, there was a very tight, a very close roll up um, on Keith Lee. That was where after um, that was after Bowens went to double. He tried to um, tried to do a double super kick, didn't he? And Bowens' knee just buckled. Yeah, and then Swerve um, ended up accidentally kicking Keith Lee, and then Swerve accidentally hit Keith Lee or something, and then they rolled him up for a near fall. There, there was a well, there was a couple of moments which I I was worried they were going to do this too much and it was going to lose its luster, but they did. They just they just got it right. Where there was a few moments where like they kind of played into the whole thing where Swerve and Keith Lee are just two guys who are really good who made the tag team, whereas they claimed they're a tag team. Yeah, and that like they even they even said that in the uh, in like the presser afterwards, where like Keith Lee was like, "We're just really good as a team. We're not a tag team. Don't necessarily like each other that much." But we we know that we're better than everyone else in the, in the division. After the match, they um they referred to them as the Shaq and Kobe of the um of the AW tag division, and it's like yeah, I can I can I can kind of yeah. get out. Yeah. Also, after the match, Keith Lee uh, says that Daddy Aspen Swerve was like the fuck. Yes, and yeah. and Blaine refused to shake hands with Swerve and Keith Lee as well. Just utter bastardry. It was oh, it was so good. Like it was, it was everything I love about tag team wrestling. Like the storytelling, like those those moments when Bowen's like his like facial expressions because he looked like he, he you could see the guilt he was feeling because like his knee was giving out on him all the time and like he couldn't do the double team moves. Yeah, and Max was having to like do double duty and like fight off both Swerve and Keith Lee at one point. Um, oh, it was it was phenomenal. Like some of the moments they created in this match were, and like you say, it's credit to 
swervingly to be honest. I don't know if they I don't know if they how much they they must have an idea they they might not be the favourites like crowd favourites going in here and they they might have to do this. But if if they called this on the fly then that was masterful. I I think they called it on the fly because when when they came out and like they got a massive pop and then as soon as the match started and everyone was behind the behind the acclaim, you've got to think they walked each other and gone, let's just work heel. Yeah. It was superb. Match of the night. It's going to be in my match of the year, this one, um, because it was that good. It, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's already on my list. Already. Uh, right. We'll move on then to the full way to determine the women's, the interim women's championship. So that is Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker. Um, Yeah, this was a bit good as well, wasn't it? This was a bang, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know how we have this thing where like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker are the two who like always see the fight each other. Can we just do the same but with like yeah. Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter? Yes, please. I think I think we're getting Jamie and Britt at either Grand Slam or Full Gear. Well, there was some there was some definite storyline developments here, wasn't there, in regards to, to, to the Britt Jamie relationship? Probably Full Gear. Well, yeah, because Jamie had the win, didn't she? She Rainmaker there, she there. Yeah. And then Britt pulled Brit the records. And then Britt um, tried to pin Hazer after she got Storm Zeroed. Yeah, she did. And, and I, uh, after the match as well, they were uh, they were arguing like on the uh, on the way to the back. Yeah. Well, after after Britt broke up the pin um, from J- from Jamie, Jamie was like screaming at Britt, like, "Why you, you you took that away from me? Like, why did you take away my moments?" So um yeah, there was a, so there was a, there was also a, mo- a moment where um she got taken out of the match. She got injured up at the top. Uh, again, some some absolutely wonderful physical physical work by Jamie Hayter. She like absolutely annihilated Sheeta, and then just did some like really over exaggerated sort of oh well I'm sorry you know basically <laughs> over Sheeta's like dead body, which was which was lovely. I uh, I think this was a star making performance for Jamie Hayter. It was. It almost felt again. I'll ask you then. <clears throat> Could they? Or should they? Maybe. I mean, I know it messed up a lot of plans, but could they possibly have called an audible here and put the belt on Jamie Hayter? I thought that. I. I. I well, funnily enough, when I was watching it, because like, obviously, it was straight after the acclaim that everyone was behind Hayter, and I was like. Surely they're not going to ignore the like they're not going to ignore that twice. He did, but you know, if, if, it, you can, if you can say one thing about AEW, it's that when Tony sets his book and he sets his book and doesn't he, and like he doesn't let anything interfere with that. If I was well, except for you know injuries, um, yeah. If I was Tony Khan, I would have called an audible and like got one of pro. I probably would have been more. Swayed towards the acclaimed and swear my glory to change the finish on that, but I definitely would have considered after that match where the where they were like risking losing the crowd, and then Jamie hates it. They were all oh, Jamie hates it. I would have probably gone on oh, maybe. And I feel I feel a little bit um, sorry for Tony Storm because she's definitely a deserving champion. She's been she's been amazing since she came in. Any any other combination of four women, she's the obvious crowd favorite. Like everyone would be behind her. It's just that there's been this like weird 
ground. I would say weird because she's awesome as well. But there's been this like groundswell of support for Jamie Hayter over the last couple of weeks because she's been putting on these absolute bangers. And like everyone's sort of yeah. everyone's it's I don't know if it's obviously everyone wanted to win the title, but everyone also wanted to sort of like just break away from Brith because I think they've they're starting to buy into this sort of natural face turn that, that she's on. Yeah. Which they, they have been really smart in the way they've kind of slow built it as well. Yeah. But um, I mean, they could have just blown it off here and having a smack Britain pinner for the title, which would have been amazing. Yeah. Could have. Um, but it, it did seem that this was written in the stars for Tony. It felt like it was all sort of coming together. I, I made up for Tony as well. She really deserved it. She was, she was meant to win the belt off Thunder Rosa, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, she, she kind of alluded to that in the media scrum. Um, where she said Thunder Rosa said she's injured. She yeah. was like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, really, really fun match. Um, so interestingly for the finish, uh, Tony Storm DDT'd Baker and Jamie Hayter, well, then pinned Jamie Hayter for the three. Interesting as well, maybe that's going to set up a feud down the line. Hopefully, it continues the feud between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, and they can just basically carry on doing stardom in AW because that's really nice. Yeah, to, to be honest, we've got a battle of the belts coming up before four gear, haven't we? Yeah, so just do, just do hate like two, storm two or three weeks after. I, I was gonna say do a triple threat, hate oh, storm yeah. breath. Yeah, why not? And then you can further the the hate storyline more in there. Yeah, yeah, that can be where they have the uh, the kind of turn. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Uh, right on. Next up, we'll move on to Christian Cage versus, as they call him, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. It's official now. Yeah. I thought they needed to do that to kind of get him up bit elevated. Yeah, they, they need to like, like sort of legitimize a bit, makes him feel like a bit more like a real person as opposed to like a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this match, say match, this is an interesting match. Um, so first of all, uh, Jungle Boy's mum and sister are in the crowd and Christian's being an absolute prick to them. Yeah. Jungle Boy's mum slaps Christian. Yes, which you love to see it. So then Jungle Boy comes yeah, out. And then Jungle Boy comes out. Luchasaurus isn't behind him for some reason. So Jungle Boy goes back into the tunnel to look for him. Luchasaurus charges out the heel tunnel and fucking murders Jungle Boy on the on the steel grates, choke slams him onto the metal. Oh god, it's back after that. It looked oh my god, he looked like his back, so his back like he he was bleeding out of it as well, and he looked he had like Basically, the mesh imprint on his back from the steel that he landed on. Uh, yeah. Then Christian's screaming yeah, out to put yeah. Christian screaming out to put him through the uh, timekeeper's table, which coincidentally is right in front of his mum and his sister. I really hope. I kind of half hope he did tell them, and half hope he didn't tell them that what was going to happen. What the, they didn't know. Yeah, I kind of wanted them to not know. <laughs> based, based off the reactions, I don't think they did. <laughs> no. They looked incredibly concerned. Uh, so, yeah, um, Luchasaurus puts Jungle Boy through the uh, tanker's table, rolls him into the ring, the bell rings, Christian hits a spear, Jungle Boy kicks out, Christian hits a kill switch, three count. Yeah, that's it. 23 seconds. So, so it, 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 it turned out the reason this match was so short was because Christian's like, apparently legitimately injured. Yeah. Um, which... In which case, hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah, and Jungle Boy can just do some bits and bobs, work his way up the singles ranks, while um, 
while Christian is, and uh, it'd be quite nice if, like, as soon as Jungle Boy sort of clears himself to like the, the, the top of the rankings, maybe then Christian can just come back like the fucking devil on his shoulder and, and just fuck around with a bit more, which would be great. I, I, I reckon that they're probably going to have Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus now as a feud. Christian yeah. can then manage it. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, right then, moving on, we had Brian Danielson versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. Well, just before this, we did have a little backstage segment with Death Triangle and the best friends. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's basically that's set up. Uh, basically, just set up a trio's match on uh, Dynamite this week. Yes. So, yeah, lovely for that. Um, next up then, yeah, it is Lionheart Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. Um, my only crit- not criticism, if, if you said to me, if you show me all these matches on the card and said pick the one you think might go a little bit long, I'd point immediately to this one. Yeah. And it did. It it, it was. The, it, I think it was the longest. Was it the longest match on the card, or was it was the main event longer? Uh, no, this was the, this was this was the longest match on the card. Yeah. Uh, which, if you told me again, pick which one you think is going to be the longest match on the card, I would probably have pointed at this one because <laughs> if there's one thing yeah. Chris Jericho likes, it's a bit of breathing space in it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, that was a good match, though. It was. It was. It was. I had a bit of fear that this would be a bit ploddy, and it wasn't quick, but it was. Deli- I say I call it deliberately paced in a Ooh, in a way it, that made it made sense. I think. Yeah, um, there was a lot of kind of like mat wrestling and submission attempts, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, a lot, and like a lot of them are very, very good as well. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it did go long. No, like there was the bit where like Danielson kept going for the cattle mutilation, and it was just like, okay, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I think I think um, the way that, I think the best the way to look at this in the most positive light is they did a they did a lot with a little and in, in terms of they 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 both Danielson and, and Jericho are masters of in ring storytelling and they know how to take a limited yeah. a limited amount of moves and stretch that into a compelling narrative which is what they did here very very well it wasn't fast paced it wasn't super flippy it wasn't even like that violent like they and I think they had to they had to thread a very narrow path here because they couldn't do. They had to. They had to wrestle a different type of match. They couldn't do just straight out violence because that's what Mox and Punk were going to do in the main event, and they couldn't do like super fast action because a they're well, not, that's not really their, their ballroom, and b everyone else has done that on the card earlier. They they were sort of having to to walk their own path and like they had to wrestle a very specific style. I think. Yeah, well, it was all kind of like who's the better technical wrestler, wasn't it? Yeah, that story of it. Um, and obviously there was like Daniel Garcia was watching the match backstage. He said to he said to Chris, "Don't cheat, like just win, win it on your own merit, sort of thing." Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jericho cheated anyway. Yeah, which, oh, I mean, uh, of, of course Jericho can't do that. So he takes Danielson to Dick Kick City when the refs uh, distracted, and yeah, it's Judas effect for the win. Yeah. Um, and then after. Like after the match, uh, Jericho. Well, it's actually after, it's after the following match. Uh, Jericho like goes to ask, like speak to Daniel Garcia backstage. Um, and he said he says like Jericho let him down, and Jericho said that 
he's going to have to win the pure championship without Jericho in his corner. Yeah. Interestingly, after the match, the whole JS came up to celebrate with Chris, except for Garcia. Yeah. And the 2.0 dealing with um, the sun not being around. <laughs> um, it must be horrible. It must be bad for them. Um, right. Next up, then, we had um, House of Black versus Miro Sting and Darby Allen. And goddamn, this entrance from House of Black was spine tingling, wasn't it? Oh, it just it goes so fucking hard, doesn't it? Yeah. So this started with like Julia Hart, like all like dressed all spooky with a hat. She had like a little um like sort uh, of white... like a witch one, you? Yeah, she had like a wide brim hat on and she was stood in front of this like massive like house of black flag and then she like dropped her arms, the flag dropped, and then like looking like the fucking angels of death, the house of black just sort of <laughs> just sort of move forward and move past it and then the lights cut and then they do that thing when they get in the ring and oh my god, it was it was so so good. Like the masks were incredible. The mask looked amazing. Brody King looks like the actual like fucking harbinger of death, doesn't he? If I saw him in, like down a dark alley, I think I'd just like jump off. I just like I'd, I'd force myself through a gap in the wall and do anything to get away from him. It's but apparently he's a massive sweetheart, so you know it's a. Uh... Yeah, he sounds like he's an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> but no, he looks like he looks like an absolute killer. It's, this was so good. Um, Miro comes out. He gets a huge pop as well. It comes out the heel tunnel, which is interesting. Yeah. He's, still, he's still a heel. And that was interesting. I played the match as well. Because like Miro was, came out the heel tunnel. Obviously, Darby and Steve came out the face tunnel. And they didn't really work as a team at all in this match. Yeah. Um, it, Miro was... like After the match as well, it was the bit where like um, Miro was kind of looking... Looking on from the stage as Sting and Derby was celebrating, yeah. Um, and he looked like very didn't know how to feel about it. So, sort of um, just, just want to highlight my favorite part of the match, uh, when Derby was trying to hit a code red on Matthews and like Malachi Blackblind tagged himself in and just kicked Derby in the face, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this was awesome, really, really stiff. I mean, any any uh, time, any time you get to see like, Brody King just throw Derby all over the ring, it's just a good time, isn't it? Yeah, got a little bit of a little bit of Brody and Miro horse fighting as well. Yes, just a just enough to, to whet your appetite. Yeah, and see, from coming from this, I really want to see Buddy versus Derby, and I really want to see Miro versus Brody. I mean, just give us Miro and Derby versus. I mean, with respect, if Malachi sounds like he might be taking some time out, Sting doesn't need to wrestle all the time. Just give us forever. Just give us Miro and Derby versus Brody and Buddy. Yeah, well, the the way they kind of like lost the match was a uh, was very kind of um very kind of like a way that they could write Malachi off. Yeah, and it made a lot of sense as well if if you consider what's been happening over the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, Sting sprays the mist in Malachi's face, which is like it's sort of come up and because he's done it to Sting, he's done it to Miro. It hasn't worked, and now it's backfired on him in the match as well. Yeah, um, and yeah, Darby rolled him up for a last up supper, and then after the match, which only the crowd saw, um, Malachi gets to the top, like hugs all the bla- house of black, kind of seemingly breaks character, gets to the top of the ramp. Uh, blows kisses to the crowd and then does like a, a really like theatrical bow, like as if it was like taking a bow after like a, a theatrical performance. Mm, like he might, this might be like it for him for a little bit, maybe. Might be his, his 
swan song um, for a while. Um, there, there is obviously rumours, um, speculation that he'd asked for his release. Um, he wants to take either permanent or a part-time break from wrestling. As I said on the news, I'll kind of reiterate it here. Just whatever's best for him. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, if he does have to step away even permanently, House of Black will be fine. They can carry on. Brody and um, Buddy can, can do their thing. That's not a problem. Yeah. It's not Brody King going and made at all. Yeah. Uh, right then. We are up to the main yeah, event, I believe. Like, I, so, first of all, we'll talk about the entrances real quick. I loved just Moxley walking out. Like he was, he looked like he was walking through a prison, right? By the time he got yeah. to the ring, Oh, uh, he was like he's going through enemy territory, wasn't he? <laughs> and like Regal's there, like trying to keep him calm, and Moxie's just going fucking off on everybody. Uh, it's, uh, he flipped off. A, he flipped off a guy wearing a CM Punk shirt, which was great. Interestingly enough, though, the crowd was split, weren't he? They were. The, 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 it was again. It was. It was typical, like a pro wrestling commentary. They were trying to like make out that Mox is in enemy territory here, and like it's a partisan crowd. And then there were very, very loud Moxie jumps right at the start of the match. Yeah, um, I'd say it was at at worst sixty forty punk. I'd say fifty fifty. I mean, at best, it was fifty fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it was fifty fifty. But this match was really fun. I really so a lot of people were very worried about this match because it, it kind of happened without much build, and obviously they, they did the title match two weeks ago. But then you have to just say what you will about the, you know, the the sort of public behaviour for some of these people. But Moxie and Punk both have to put a wrestling match on, and goddamn, they put a wrestling match on. Yeah, yeah, that was banging. So within the first five minutes. Moxley throws Punk into the uh, ring post. Punk, it doesn't quite Eddie Guerrero gig, but it's close. Yeah, he is. He's, pour- uh... he's pouring blood. Yeah, I might have been why he was in such a bad mood. We <laughs> just low blood sugar, mate. It all went out. Uh, Moxley's out there. He's he's like grating his elbow against Punk's forehead. He's biting him. And then, like, the blood's just pissing everywhere. At the one point, like, Punk's, like, dead on the outside. Moxie climbs the turnbuckle and just licks Punk's blood off his hand. Yeah. Which which was an awesome... Yeah. I mean, say what you will about how you find that, but that was, as a visual, that was pretty damn powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, this was a lot more... This was a lot more technical than I anticipated it being. Yeah, it but was, it was it, it was also gloriously it, violent as well. It had shades of like, yeah, it, it had shades of Brett versus Austin. I thought, yeah, absolutely. There was, I mean, there was a lot of people bleeding, bleeding like fuck while stuck in submission moves, weren't there? Yeah, I mean, to, towards the end of the match, yeah. it got it got to the point where there was so much blood on Punk, so much of Punk's blood on everybody that Moxley couldn't lock his joke in because he was slipping out. Yeah. Yeah, Punk was a mess. So, well, we talk about so early in the match, Punk hit the um, the high kick that cut, that was just downfalling into Moxley, and then hit a GTS almost straight afterwards, and Moxley kicked out. It felt like they were going to do Brock v Goldberg here, but they didn't. They held off. Yeah. So they, they almost they almost yeah, fought, they, Brock, but they, they almost sort of built it like the the mirror image of the, of the Moxley Punk match from the, the few weeks ago where. 
basically Punk hits the kick, but it doesn't hurt him this time. And this time he hits his finisher instead of Moxley. And like it, but he didn't quite get the job done. Yeah. Um yeah, and then Mox is just pretty much targeting the foot, isn't he, for most of the match? Yeah, he's he's putting an ankle locks. He's just every now and then, every time he's 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 doing his like mat work and he can get a hold of Punk's foot, he's just like twisting his ankle, bending his foot, like Punk's like in agony. I mean Moxie didn't look at all weak in this match. He got he got a lot out of it. Yeah, he, he did. Um uh, as we said, um when Mox beat Punk a couple of weeks ago, it it felt like that was kind of bringing Mox up to the same level as Punk. And then now they're kind of like on an even keel. Yeah, absolutely. So the sort of the ending of the match, I really liked all the way from uh, when Moxie hits that hellacious Death Rider. Yeah. Well, that, was... <laughs> that was a war crime. <laughs> he got like a 2.9 on that, which was, which was really nice. Uh, then Punk tried to get him off for a GTS, and I really love this one. Moxie just kind of slides off his back, and as he's coming down, he just kicks him in the knee um, from behind, which was horrible. Um, went for another paradigm shift, but then Punk reverses it, gets him into the GTS. I love that as well. So Mox sort of like falls from the GTS, falls against the ropes, and then as he falls down, Punk falls down first, and Moxie like sort of falls onto his shoulder. So he's not, he can't pin him, he's just sort of like lying on top of him. Yeah, and then from there, like after they they sort of both like take a breather because they're fucked, and then Punk just powers up, takes him just about managed to pick him up, hits him for a third GTS, a second one in that sequence, but a third one in the match, and that's it. Moxie goes down to a three count, and yeah, and that was it. Show closed. Yeah, nothing else. Um, no, no, God, no. Um, so Punk holds up the title, blood pissing out of his face. And the lights cut out. And the first thing we see, well, first thing we hear is a voicemail from Tony Khan. Yeah, this was... This was fucking perfect. This was so well done. Yeah. Uh, so you hear a, a, a voicemail from Tony Khan basically um, saying, yeah, you don't have to sign an extension. I'll pay you what you want, but you've got to come to All Out. You've got to be there at All Out. I'll put you in the um, in the ladder match. I'll do whatever you want because you've just got to be this. Your last, this is the last offer I'm going to give you. You've got to be here at all else. And then yeah. straight after that, it cut to a clip of Punk's Ring of Honor promo where he called himself the devil. Well, yeah, wasn't it a? No, wasn't it a? You stupid old man, I'm a snake. Yes. Oh, oh, no, it was the greatest, greatest trick. No, no, it was, I think it was. It was a yeah, you stupid man, I'm a snake. Um, and then. Um, you saw on the big screen the Joker from the Battle Royal. He took his from his back to the camera. He takes off the mask, which obviously everyone then immediately knows who it is. But to, to confirm it, he puts over the Burberry scarf. Yeah, and it's MJF. So- it was, and then and then what I wasn't <laughs> expecting, his music hits and he comes out onto the stage, which I didn't think would happen at all. Yeah, I think it's good that they got, got him out in the state to kind of confirm he's actually there. And then you had the Chicago crowd, having just seen CM Punk crown champion, the entire yeah. arena yeah. chanting for MJF. They're, they're in a unique position here because they could turn MJF into like an anti-hero. Yeah, which I think would be a smart move, maybe, especially if Punk is 
fucked the way he is. He might be. Hmm. I got MJF still like hates everybody, but almost like he's he's working to expose Punk. Yeah, and well, Punk, you know, Punk, fuck it. Punk did that enough for himself in the, after the fucking show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's it. The, the Punk and MJF sort of they're back again. They, they, they just can't stop doing it to each other. They're staring at each other as the show ends. And yeah, oh, MJF flips the crowd off, doesn't he? That's his last act. That's the only thing he does. And he, he does the belt. Sign. He does flip the crowd off, yeah. He motions he wants the title, he flips the crowd off, and yeah. Nothing else happens for the rest of the evening. Well, except for, you know... <laughs> <laughs> except except for uh, what happened at the press conference. Um, which, should, should we get into that? Yeah, let's talk a bit about it. So... Pretty much immediately after the show, like it, Punk must have literally just gone through the curtain. Um, they do like the press conference. Uh, CM Punk and Tony Khan. Punk just goes off on a journalist about Cole Cabana, who the journalist didn't even ask a question about Cole Cabana. No, it's just, just like, like it's like one of those memes, isn't it? It's like no one, absolutely no one, and Punk's like, "I'll tell you about Cole Cabana." Like, oh Jesus, mate, no one asked. Well, it, it turned out that that journalist used to be like in an improv troupe with Cole Cabana or something. Oh, right, okay. That, that's why you do improv, because that's <laughs> what he did. He, just, he says, do you do improv? He goes, no, I don't do that anymore. He goes, are you used to improv? Uh, who, who did you do it with? And he's, like, he's like, then he's like, Scott Colton. <laughs> and Punk like, goes off about the lawsuit, even though no one spoke about it recently at all. Um, And he starts like going off about Hangman, the Young Bucks, um, Tony Khan just sat there looking really uncomfortable, but also like a, there's a bit where Tony tries to kind of like shut it down, and Punk just shut like just puts his hand on his chest to go, no, 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 I'm not done. No, oh, Jesus. It's, it, yeah, it's it's like he lost control of, and Punk was showing no fucking respect to like. For Tony at all, um, it was it was very uncomfortable, but it was very like compelling to watch, especially live where I was like, "What is happening?" Um, and yeah, then apparently, well, to say apparently, it's kind of come out now, hasn't it? Um, there was a physical altercation with CM Punk and Ace Steel and the Elite, yeah, where. Uh, Matt Jackson got punched. Nick Nick Jackson got a chair thrown at him, knocked out cold. Kenny Alleg- allegedly, none of this none of this has been confirmed. Yeah, now, this is just this is just like kind of eyewitness reports from from the uh, that I've been told to like Fightful Select and as like a kind of you know a um, sort of like being relayed. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think what what do you think should happen with with it? It's a, it sounds like punk instigates the yeah. Well, so so if you want to sort of so based on like again, we only have various sort of piece together reports. What happened? So what apparently happened according to reports again? Uh, punk cuts this this promo at the press conference. Be basically the crux of it is he accused the elite of leaking stories about him and Cole Cabana to the media. 
and to other and to rest yeah. and other companies, uh, which has kind of been disproven already because basically everyone who reported on it has basically said they didn't get their story from the elite at all. Yeah. So whatever. Um. So then apparently after that, the books and Kenny confronted Punk in his locker room. Yeah. And allegedly, Punk threw the first punch at Matt Jackson. A Steel basically came in swinging, threw a chair at Nick Jackson, then bit and pulled, bit Kenny and pulled his hair. Um, so again, it, 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 there's been various bits and pieces coming out this other day. It, there's, there's an article now, uh, Fightful Select dropped a load of information, like you said, sort of summed it all up and everything. Uh, apparently, backstage consensus is almost unanimously against Punk on this, apparently. Like from long term, I mean, you, and you've seen this on on social media so far today, haven't you? Sort of dribs and drabs, you know. <laughs> yeah, Miro is zero chill. Um, apparently, several long term AEW talent have basically said they don't understand how Punk can't be fired for this. I I agree. I I think he should be fired. Uh, Ace Steel like, has to be gone, like without a question. Oh, Ace oh. like, like, like I said, I, I said to you on disc. I said to you last night, throwing a chair at someone. In, your, in the workplace is gross misconduct. <laughs> no matter what that yeah. workplace is. Um, yeah. Uh, um, the problem is that the guy, that the, guy I, the, the problem is the I guy everyone wants to be fired has, has just won the title. And that's the issue that AEW have to navigate here. Fucking just say based on what's happened. It, it's interesting how, like, quiet, like, radio silence on everything's been. Um, yeah. a, a few guys who weren't involved in the actual thing of, of, like, the actual altercation. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, in, it's interesting for sure to see why, where they're going to go with this. One thing the Fightful said was that there's people who still don't know what they're doing on Dynamite this week. Yeah. And it I'd be it'll be interesting to see how the kind of approach it where they're gonna have like a big meeting or it, it, do, it before, does sound from what's gone on around this that Chris Jericho has kind of been operating as sort of like a, a sort Chris of Jericho. senior liaison sort of figure, trying to sort of sort of much out as possible. Chris Jericho was fucking insanely professional in that like like he literally come out did the press conference and um you could see he was like rattled he was very quiet he was very stoic and then after after he kind of like hugs tony whispers something in his ear and tony's face just drops <laughs> and, and he, you, can, you can hear him like saying to the microphone some shit went down yeah and he like he just like goes as if to say i'll, I'll go and try and like sort it out well, um, so apparently, I, I, again, I've not seen the, pre- the the presser, but apparently, like it was during Swerve and Keith Lee's time on the on the conference, a security guard just legs it off off to backstage, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So during theirs, there's a guy, there's one that like legs it behind, um, Tony and like Swerve and Keith, and then there's one as well that got picked up from, um, I think it was Fightful, Fightful's angle of it, where you just see like a security guard leg it, um, yeah. So it must have been like more or less when Punk came off because Swerve and Our Glory were like the first ones after Punk. Right, okay. Um so yeah, um it'd be interesting to see what happens. 
Um, we, we have a couple of questions. None. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll read out. Uh, oh, Troy's 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 got Troy's prepared a statement. Yeah, Troy's statement. Not a question, more a statement. Fuck punk, but you already knew my thoughts. Just nice to have them reinforced and recognised. I think that's a statement um, shared by most of the wrestling world currently, based on what's what's kicking up on social media. Pretty much, as as I said last night, love him as a wrestler. Personally, seems like a fucking prima donna piece of shit. Yeah. Um, does is there any way in which this is or becomes a work? I mean, the whole kind of like the whole like wrestling carny ethos behind it is you can make money off this kind of sort of thing. So if they can get past the differences, of course, it becomes a work. But it's whether they can. Controversy creates cash, and also it's punk, and he's a whiny little fucker when it comes to shit like that. So mm. there's every there's every possibility that he's gonna. It, like one thing that said, it said, it, I, I can't remember if Meltzer or Feitel said it was because it's literally just been like a, a day of info dumping on this thing. Um, was that if a steel gets fired, the punk might walk? So if I mean, if that's the price you have to pay, I'm willing to pay it. I, the way I look at it is the elite were around in AEW before CM Punk. Wrestling had no CM Punk for seven years. Has it been good to have Punk back? Of course, fucking has. He's a great wrestler. Like he's had some. Like, he's had one of my matches of the year against MJF. Yeah. Um. If he goes away, am I asked? I'd, I'd be gutted that wouldn't get to see CM Punk wrestle again. But at the same time. He leaves AEW, he leaves AEW. It's it'll probably help the company get back to where it needs to be, given the fact that there's all talk of like backstage kind of like low morale and all that. Yeah, fair. Uh, like you say, at, at, at this point in time, if we ha- if we ha- if, if if the alternative, if it's either AEW without CM Punk or AEW without the Elite, then there's only one way you go there, isn't there? Uh, right well, that's the thing. Well, like it's kind of fall into the whims of one guy. If the elite get like, if the elite leave AEW, then I mean, then how, how long is it until Punk's fucking politic and his way to like other stuff? Yeah, he did. He did complain as well about having to work with MJF. He was like saying, and he was like saying he works with children. He, he, it was grossly unprofessional. Yeah, it wasn't there a um, point where like someone asked Tony a question about MJF while Punk was sat there and Punk basically said, Oh yeah, he always has me work with pricks. Yeah, he said he always has me working with pricks. Which um, I mean I can understand if he wants to do that in a bit of character, because then they have they have got obviously like storyline beef, haven't they? So that's that's not as egregious as some of the other bits. Yeah. Just fucking, you know. What it is, maybe, maybe Eddie King's very, was right all along. Very, um, hmm? maybe Eddie Kingston was right the whole time. Oh, Eddie Kingston's always right. Claudio's a piece of shit, probably too. <laughs> that's, that's not true. I've met Claudio, he's a lovely <laughs> uh, Right, we'll finish off um, then on a, on a non punk rated question from Faye, uh, just to sort of lift the mood before yeah. the ending. Um, so Faye's question, where do you see the direction for the House of Black? As to me, okay, it feels like they should have won at the pay-per-view, and what storyline would you book for them next? 
Um, well, should we do a hypothetical that Malachi is not taking time off, or should we do it that he is? Bit of both. What would you do in each in either scenario? If he is taking time off, say it's for like, say he's taking a couple months away, have it where he's literally goes like into hiding at Brody and Brody and Buddy can either have a tag team run or singles runs, and you could have. You could have people asking like where Malachi is, and them just saying he's like, just being like, "Don't worry about it, it's fine." And then when Malachi returns, whoever he, whoever he goes after, it'll it'll be like a bigger moment, I think. Yeah. And say if he just like returns when we come rampage, you're dynamite. Um, if he if he sticks around, to be honest, I wouldn't change it up too much. I just have the time he's away a little less. Fair, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what... I, I, if, if Malachi's not around, I'd probably just... I'd love to see uh, Brody and Buddy get a bit of a tag team run. I think that'd be really nice. Uh, maybe do some... I don't know. Who would you put them against? Um, Swerve not glory. I mean, you'd run them. You'd, I'd maybe have them climb the rankings and like be a, the next be a chance because Brody's been booked quite strong, hasn't he? And like, so he's quite believable. I think, yeah, maybe you could you could like build them up for a, a title match, which would be quite nice because Keith Lee and Brody, please, yes, please. Yeah, that'd be nice. And then Swerve and Buddy just doing all the flippy bits. I mean, that that'd be a, a really interesting. And you could play on like, I mean, even if like, oh fuck it, even if Malachi's around and he just does it because I know he's had some back problems. Maybe he doesn't want to wrestle too much. Have Brody and Brody, regardless of what the Malachi situation is, have Brody and Brody on a tag team title run, get to the top, and then you could play on like um, the House of Black and are going to draw out the problems between Swerve and Keith Lee that they've sort of papered over with this because you get the feeling that Swerve and Keith Lee don't like the way they're booked. They don't really like each other in storyline and the sort of the tag team titles that them constantly winning is sort of papering over the cracks. Like Keith Lee even said to Swerve, like as long as they still win, they've got no problems. Yeah. Um... So you could have like, you could have House of Black be like, well, you're literally using these tag titles to, to paper over these cracks in your relationship and we're going to expose them and like take the titles off you and it really make you realize you hate each other. Yeah, I I think, I mean, to go back to when Swerve initially teased that he was going to AEW, he was teasing he was going to join the House of Black. Yeah. Swerve would Swerve be a good kind of like, not necessarily a replacement, but a, certainly like a kind of standing for Malachi. I also just want a a moment where the House of Black fight the acclaimed, and as Max Cast is coming down the ring to the ring to do his rap, either he gets black masked or he just gets murdered by Brody King in the middle of a verse. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be very good. <laughs> just Brody King doing murders. It'd be nice. I mean, if Brody King just wants to carry on his national sport, which is just stalking and murdering Darby Allen, that's also fine. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I, want to, like, I, I want to like, show up at Darby's house because like, Darby's called a plumber or something and Brody King just answers the door and batters him. Uh, I'd, I'd like it where they, they do it so every week it ends up with Brody King sleeping and dropping Derby off some like something high. Something just progressively taller every week. Like, but like literally you could have it so Brody King just kind of like emerges out the shadows like the fucking Babadook and just like <laughs> ch- chokes them out, drops them off like a ledge or something and then just walks up. Yeah. That's what I'd do. <laughs> yeah, I think I think all and, that. 
just have Buddy feud with Kenny Omega. I mean, yes, please. Also that. Um. Yeah, fa- failing that. Uh, if the House of Black are are sticking around like Malachi and that, I can think of worse things he could do than having them feud with the Elite for the trios titles. Yes, I mean, you 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 think like build them up as a trios team if, if Malachi's sort of hanging around there, then that'd be that'd be lovely. But then it's it's hard to kind of justify that if you just had them lose to a team who aren't an actual trio. Yeah. Fair. So. Uh, right, I think we'll leave it there then. That was a that was a hell of a lot of discussion about the uh, all out and its sort of associated fallout and, and the sort of nonsense that sort of um, all out the all out. Yeah, the, the fallout from all out. We're probably still going to be talking about this on on the news next week, so we'll we'll have all the updates for you um, and what's happened at Dynamite on our show next, yeah. early next week. So keep it keep I'm it here for that. More is going to be coming out as the week goes on. Yeah. Uh, right, in that case, thank you very much for listening. Hope you've made it this far. Hope you enjoyed All Out. Hope you're sort of at least mildly entertained by the spiraling chaos that's sort of evap- like enveloping the company at this moment in time. We'll um, we'll see where it all turns out. And hopefully, yeah, everyone's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks all for listening. And we'll see you all real soon. Bye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast house in the Untitled Wrestling Podcast House. Here. <laughs>